We interrupt your regularly scheduled just off point to tell you a little something that Joe and I did a few years ago that he finally has the balls to bring into light. Gee, thank you, Dexter. And I'm here to talk about my book, Somniphobia 2, an anthology. In fact, you'll get to see my full name on the cover. Right, and you'll get to see my full name on the cover, too. Um, well, Your full no, name's I'm, not on the cover? It's not on the cover. It's on ah, the back. It's not. It's on the it's back. It's on the back. Yes. Well, so Somnophobia 2, if I could describe it in a few words, is Joe's um, anthology of poems and short stories that he wrote um, during the time of his life when he was aspiring to do more writing. Gee, what happened to that, Mr. Writer's Block? Well, I am no longer in Writer's Block. Now I just have to sit down and actually write something, much like how I did with this book. A crap ton of poetry and uh, some short stories. And um, I'd like to think it's pretty ambitious. It was ambitious. Playful. You know what? Yeah. You are, it's, it's you. It's very much you. And it speaks from your soul. It speaks from your experience. And it speaks to the things that you're into. It's, I, I, the reason why I jumped into the project is because, Joe, as much as I joke with you, you actually are somebody that I respect in terms of your ambition and your drive. And I saw that in this book. I just saw that you also didn't know how to cross your T's and dot your I's, which is where I came in. First of all, I have a lot of things to say. You just turned them into words, and my job's done. <laughs> so, if you guys out there are at all interested and you're, you want to support the podcast, it would be great. Check, out an, check it out on Amazon.com. Somniphobia 2, an anthology by Mark Joseph Cruz. Edited by Robert Dexter Rivera. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) This is Just Off Point, where we get to interview people that are not just our friends this time. We're your hosts. I'm Joe. And I'm Dexter. And tonight we're going to be talking to Flint Dilly, um, a man of many, many, many accolades, probably as tall as me and as old as Joe. Yeah. All right. Uh, Mr. Dilly. Should we call you Mr. Dilly or Flint is okay? You may call me Flint. You, may call, you can call me whatever you want. Okay. Well, full disclosure, which was actually kind of funny. Um, so the first time someone handed me your book, and it was handed to me by, by a coworker of mine. His name is Keith. He, apparently, he's one of the first guys who bought your book during some, I think it was a Transformers con. Or TF something Con, like that, TFCon? Like yeah, TFCon, TF like, uh, that would have been, like, a couple months ago, or was that, yeah, it was the first one that we had, that, you know, I've actually physically been present for, obviously, we've had uh, the usual set of uh, slowdowns there, yes. Yeah, so, um, when he handed me the book, uh, the first thing that I thought was, like, we've only known each other for under a year, and he knew, he knew what I like, and I'm like, and I held this book in my hand, and I'm like... And full disclosure, this is, I said this out loud. I'm like, who's Frank Dill? I said Frank, and I said Dill. <laughs> and I'm like, it is like, read it again, bro. And I'm like, oh, Flint Dilly. And then I took a look at the title, and I'm like, almost famous in, you know, the the, uh, the 80s, I think. I have the book, I have yeah, the right. book right here. You signed yeah, it. Something like that. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, the, the, yeah the, the book's called The Game Master. My publisher would be very upset if I didn't, like, tell you what the name was. Yes. Yes, it's the Games Master, yeah, and we'll get to that later too. So, 
full my actual full disclosure is throughout from when I held your book to when me and Dexter were talking about it, he kept correcting me because I kept saying Frank, Fred, I never get your name right for some odd reason. Oh, it's an unusual name. You just have to think G.I. Joe, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, um, yes. That's a funny thing. When I told my dad who you're, we were interviewing, he said, oh, like the guy from G.I. Joe. And he was just like, but he was talking about the character. It's funny you say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's, you know, when they, he's taught in the book, you know, when they, when they hired me to said, hey, you know, we named a character after you, so you have to take the job. All right. Um, yeah. Um, Joe is infamous for his malaprops. He gets everything wrong all the time, and so um, I just had to be like, Joe, get it together. Also, uh, yeah. Also, uh, a warning. Um, I've managed to self-publish two books, and now I'm here to pick your brain. <laughs> right there we go yeah so um that's why i also got excited and you know what i I like i like that little tagline almost famous and i'm like and then and then i finished the book well the thing is i got the physical copy and i'm like i got no time for this so i get the audible you know i me and keith were listening to it while at work and we didn't let anyone in the office just so we can keep listening to it. He was living the nostalgia. I was just like, this guy's not almost famous. He's just, you know, it's like you, you met all the crazy people out there. It was, cr- it was, it was, it was a good story. Lots of good stories. Yeah, yeah no, it, was... It, 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 it was just a really fun time because I mean, it's, you know, it's weird to write a book like that. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're, you're, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of all about you, and it's, it's funny, but. What happened is I, I was at so many conferences and stuff where people were asking me, you know, about old stories and all that, that I, I started answering it. And well, actually what it was, is I did a lot of interviews and, and, you know, some of them were in print and I just took all the answers and stuck them into a Google doc. All of a sudden I realized I have like 140 pages and I might as well just write it all down. And, you know, that way, you know, I'll just have it all down once and, and, you know, won't ever tell the story again. Of course, when you write a book, you, you know, you know this, you know, basically you end up talking about nothing but that, you know, for forever. So that's what happened. That's what happened there. Right. So that, thank you for sharing that. Um, I got to ask you, um, you've been, uh, you've been doing a couple of cons lately when we were in contact, you did Gary Con, uh, or Gen Con, was it Gary Con or Gen Con? Gary Con. Yeah, I, I, I did. I've done a lot. I did TFCon. I did uh, uh, San Diego RobotCon. I did GaryCon and uh, this weekend WorldCon. We kind of screwed up with our panel, but nevertheless, I was there. Yeah, I was um, hoping to meet you there. Um, I was actually at the panel, but um, I think they had to cancel it because um, Eastman's panel is right afterward. Well, no, I basically the guy, the guy who was running, there was a mess up and the guy who was running our panel just got the wrong date. So I I mean, got the wrong time. And so we all showed up, we're all ready and everything at two o'clock and the panel was at noon. It was like, oh, no, well, that was stupid. Uh, That happens. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I, I, I looked at the title and I was like, um, it's, it's a good transition from what you did and what you were talking about in the book to what you're doing now. And um, I kind of wanted to pick your brain about that too. We'll probably get to that in a little bit, but sure, um, sure. I just, yeah. But um, when we first inter- interviewed you, we asked you, um, you were at GaryCon, so I got to ask, how was that? Um, did you get to chat with Luke and um, how would things go? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I see Luke, you know, pretty regularly. Uh, 
in Los Angeles. So, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you know, um, I, but I, I, I talked to Heidi, I, I had lunch with Jim Ward. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I talked to Steve Winter, I, you know, I, all, you know, all sorts of people. Um, so it was great. You know, uh, I saw Ernie over at the, the museum slash shop, went over there. Um, yeah, so I saw a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, had a great conversation. Um, uh, well, I talked to Tom Wom and uh, with Larry Elmore too, and with Je Jeff Butler. I mean, it was like, old, you know, that's what I love about Gary Khan. I mean, it really is a, a trip back to TSR, you know, in that period. I mean, that, and that's, you know, kind of wonderful. Yeah, I'm hoping to make it out to one of those one day. Um, I was uh, able to do it. You know, if, if, you yeah. have to, if you have to go to one con, I, you know, that would be on the A-list with a bullet of ones I would go to. For sure. I got asked to DM it once, but because um, I do uh, Adventures League DMing. But um, right. Uh, what you call it? It was right when the pandemic was just happening. So, um, you know, I was like, well, not going to do that. <laughs> well, yeah. And then they canceled it sort of at the last mm -hmm. minute. You know, it's yeah. like they held out to the last minute and they realized, oh, we just can't, we can't pull the trigger on this mm -hmm. and, uh, and canceled, you know, which was, you know, wise, but nevertheless kind of sad. It is yeah, so it great to have the world open again. I mean, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that. Same here. Um, I've been going to stores without a mask. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, where do you guys live anyway? Long Beach. Uh, the city of San oh. Fernando in the valley. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you're basically in L.A. too. I mean, you have mm -hmm. sort of, I mean, L.A. just was trying to do everything it could not to reopen as far as I could tell, but, you know, mm -hmm. indeed. So, one of the other questions we had, you talked a lot about TSR, you talked a lot about D&D, you talked a lot about um, characters that were based on you. Um, uh, Gary wrote something about uh, in your book about, uh, you know, what's the glow grade of Flint? Can't remember its name right now. The yeah, barbarian sure. guy. Yeah, Chert. Yeah, they had this barbarian. Gary thought he was so funny. Uh, he had a, a barbarian character named Chert, right? Which is, yeah. That was supposed was to be you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we got to ask him, do you play it all? Do you what you call it? Do uh, oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I DM for the first time publicly. Uh, nice. You know, in uh, at Gary Con this year, totally by accident. Now, yeah, I mean, I didn't want to. <laughs> I was kind of nervous about it. Uh, but I, I'm working on this new game called Subterraneans, and we, you know, we did you know one set of scenarios for uh, um, for uh, Gary Con last year virtually. And then we did another one, uh, you know, we did another one for this year. And, and Jay Parker, who's, you know, my uh, partner in crime on designing mm -hmm. the game, uh, was going to come. He got to the airport. There was some mess up with his ticket and he couldn't make it. And so it was kind of this, well, uh, what should we do? Cancel it. And, you know, I was feeling really cowardly and everything. Uh, but, you know, we, we couldn't quite bring ourselves to cancel it. So I said, okay, folks, you know, here, here we go. Uh, and, uh, and it, it was, it was really fun. I hadn't done it in a long time, you know, and. DMing uh, or playing? What? Yeah, DMing. No, I played. I mean, you know, but, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I hadn't like DMed at all, you know, just, I don't know why. But, <laughs> uh, you know, probably, probably in 20 years in public. And uh, yeah, it would, yeah, I got to tell you, it was really fun. 
It's funny how you say you don't know why. Like out of most of the times that I get to DM a game, it's like I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I mean, you know, because uh, yeah, it's. I mean, well, it's just it just you know, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, I'm not the world's. Mo- I mean, you know, you have to start out with I'm not the world's most technical DM. Okay, let's just be honest about that. And so yeah, yeah, I don't. I, you know, I I have trouble remembering what's on the charts. I you know um yeah and and yeah i just for whatever reason and so you know what i tend to do is just is just freelance it and this time yeah you know i i kind of more than freelance it but um you know we we got started and you know we were kind of running late it was was sort of like everything was going wrong um and then you know i just said okay let's go and and we you know we kind of i kind of made it up as we went along and and everybody seemed happy with it so i, I that. look forward to that, that's the that's the most important part though like mm-hmm. when you're dming a game it's like did they have fun yeah and, um, yeah you, nobody's gonna... everybody really had fun they were all incredibly good sports about it you know they uh you know um you know knew i was freelancing and did it but it was just kind of cool and it was a really you know the the game we have you know it's a it's oddly enough it's it, it started out in the 90s as the kind of unfinished business i had with um um in humanoids which is a show i did back with you know with sunbow yeah and, i assume by the title that it had something to do with that subterranean yeah, right yeah, was, subterranean yeah yeah, yeah was, yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, I figured, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do that. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, you know, muck around in that world one last time, but it, I mean, it's, it's not really very much like in humanoids, but it was sort of, it's sort of a similar, you know, thing. And it is mm. a hollow earth story. Um, but it, what we did is, you know, the other ones have been a you know, pretty classic, you know, uh, you know, your commandos, you know, Halo, you know, halo diving into, uh, the center of the earth and fighting monsters and you know you're on hang gliders and you're um yeah i you know you know you're samurai on hang gliders fighting pterodactyls all the way down you know stuff like that extremely high production value stuff right and so this time um you know we we decided you know let's set this in a boy scout camp in 1925 and so all the, the players were yeah, we're twelve-year-olds again, and all you really the abilities you had were whatever you got merit badges in. We had character, you know, generated characters and everything. And that sounds, it was that really sounds, fun. Yeah, it was shockingly fun. You know, and, and people just got into. What was funny about it was all the older people knew. You know, yeah, we got. You know, we've got our uh, our uh, you know knives and and all that. Whereas you know, people that didn't come out of that era. We're, we're kind of shocked you guys carried knives around all yeah uh you know and, and so it, yeah it, it was it was really a lot of fun i got it um, you know, just and i think you know it's just kind of fun and wild for everybody doing it in my head i'm just imagining this is like a crossover between lord of the flies meets uh ducktales but you know underground and uh, I'm you're it. you're you're not far from it i mean what it was <laughs> is you know when i when i went to uh um we'll get we'll get on topic here pretty quick but anyway when we went uh when i went to uh boy scout camp what they do is they would tell you you know a ghost story you know at at, uh you know during the you know on the big night like on the saturday night and that's when they'd select the guys for the order of the arrow and all that 
and any one of the guys telling the stories was was as good as uh yeah anybody i've I've heard pitch a movie in hollywood i mean these guys were great and and so i wanted to just capture that kind of you know fun of it you know the you know the the fun of uh you know people being in these wild you know you know being in a boy scout camp you know you know doing the whole flashback and it it, i gotta say it was just really fun Um, I'll point out, uh, you mentioned that just, you know, we'll get back on point really quick, but hence the title of our podcast is actually just off point. Yeah, okay. we... yeah good. So I'll, I'll, I'll just be really kind of random and all over the place. Yeah. It's all about you tangents. Know, this is... so yeah, we... that, was, that was just a really fun experience. Yeah. I mean, the dynamic here is that Dexter reins me in and then I just go, what? <laughs> yeah i had to give him the teacher talk and uh or the look i should say and bring him back in yeah. yeah now you have two of us to handle i'm pretty non-linear so uh you know we, so that that was something that joe noticed in your book and he appreciated and i did too actually um the non-linear path in which obviously there was a chronological order but that you would go from topic to topic to topic to topic and it somehow was cohesive but i assume that's just because that's just how your own life was in the 80s uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's you're right. Uh, you know, it, it. Yeah, I did that partly. Yeah, partly that's just me, but partly, you know, it. It really is. It really was this sense that you know that, you know, life was just kind of random at that point, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was kind of fun, you know, for portraying it that way and writing it that way. And also, yes, I mean, what happened was. I was writing the different, you know, as I said, you know, a lot of it came from interviews, you know, when people, people interviewed me. And so I, you know, I just kept the list of, you know, questions and my answers, right. You know, especially for written interviews. And, so, and so, yeah, what I had was just a, you know, utterly, totally nonlinear mess, but, um, and, and, and so, you know, really what my sort of first thing organizing it was to put it just all on a timeline. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, it got, you know, much more, you know, much more linear and, and followable and, and all that. So, what I what, you know, what I really appreciated as you went along, uh, as I g- went along through the book was that um, you would say that this is how I remembered it. And you would constantly, yeah, you would constantly remind whoever's listening or reading, like, this is how I remember it. But there are some golden moments where you quote something and you remember it. And I'm like, that's, that's when, that's when things happen. You know, it's important enough to remember. So, yeah. yeah, That is is exactly, no, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, what, what, here was the interesting thing is I, I didn't, you know, I've, I've kept a journal pretty much, you know, every day, you know, since, you know, like a class I took in college, right? And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, I had it, but what I thought, you know, it turned out erroneously, was I thought that I'd lost, you know, I'd lost all of it, you know, all of the journals, you know, I thought that, you know, that, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, they, there was something, you know, uh, we used to call the digital black hole. And that was a period right around then when everybody was using computers with different formats. You know, oh, in other goodness. words, people would be using you know, computers like brands you guys have you never heard of. You know, and and so I and and so, you know, I it, you know, I I thought, you know, I'm no way I'm gonna be able to resurrect this. And you know, and some of the things that I wish I had are things that were on, you know, strange formats. And then what happened, so, you know, 
you know, I, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, you know, figured, oh, you know, I don't have my journals. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And then what I discovered, uh, you know, after I'd written the book, uh, you know, that I did have the journals. In fact, I'd printed them out and I'd forgotten that, you know, in those days you'd print the, you, you printed everything out so you wouldn't lose it. And so it, what, you know, what ended up happening was that I, you know, I was able to compare my recollections with what actually happened. And the truth is, uh, you know, it was, you know, there, it, it was amazingly accurate. I mean, there, there were, you know, very few dates I was off on. There were, you know, there was, I mean, it was really, I, I was kind of shocked by how accurate it was that, you know, I, I, I had thought I'd, you know, probably, you know, slop jobbed it and, and I hadn't at all, you know, or I'd, I'd been off on stuff. Um, and, you know, cause you know, the kind of stuff you're writing down in your own personal journal doesn't necessarily match up with what, you know, you know, fans would be interested in, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, for sure. all like fans don't care, but you know, that was very important to me at the moment. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it ended up that the chronology was, was dead on. There was one scene I had Gary in a scene cause it made all the sense in the world. And, uh, and fortunately, you know, the, the editor cut the scene, so it didn't, uh, it didn't, uh, matter, but, uh, you know, it turned out, you know, he was in fact not there, oh. uh, you know, you know, for that particular event, you know, but, but other than that, I, I was kind of amazed by how accurate it was. Yeah. Um, you're remembering back over a long period of time. Oh yeah. It's yeah. like, um. 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, when you mentioned yeah. that journal in the book, I'm like, maybe I should keep journals. But then I'm like, nothing's well, interesting I mean, happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, usually it's not. I mean, I, you know, it's not. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, it's like, you know, Dear Diary stuff. Usually it's like kind of writing experiments. It, it's how I warm up every day for writing. You know, it, you know so it's not, you know, it's, it, you know, it's not exactly what one would think. Of, you know, it's not exactly what you'd call a diary. Honestly, maybe you should do that, Joe, just to get the <laughs> to get the uh, the words out. Flowing. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, Joe, can I say how it, it is? Seriously, it is a great thing to do. You know? I, 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 mean, I was honestly really impressed. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, no, that's all I was saying. You know, it's just great because you remember stuff. Yeah, um, I was honestly impressed when, and you said it, I think, twice, if not three times in the book. You go like, you got to write fast, you got to write hard and keep going. So yeah. that's actually something I tell my students all the time, because um, a lot of them are perfectionists. I teach at a magnet, so they're trying to like, you know, I want to make sure it's perfect before I submit. I'm like, honestly, I just need to get words on the page. And it can be crap. It honestly could, because then we can fix it later. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I mean, you, you get the idea, you know, because yeah, right. You know, I mean, you know, I would argue that, you know, you know, writing is editing, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you know, writing is rewriting. And vision's part of the process get it down there, you know, you, you know, it, you know, it, it goes away, it dissolves. Exactly. I've oh. done my best work, like you said, <laughs> um, hours before an assignment is due, just because I'm trying to get everything on the page, and then oh, then yeah, I realize that was pretty much my uh, my uh, academic career was uh, <laughs> was uh, you know, almost always uh, you know you know two minutes before the thing was due. Oh, here it is. I once submitted a blank document to a professor on purpose, just to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I must have submitted something wrong to you, <laughs> just to give me uh, just an extra forty minute extension. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, you, you do that or you're typing continued on backflap in the middle of a book report and stuff like that. No, I, I mean, you, I mean, there were, you know, and, and I think professors are kind of wide to, wise to that, but all they really yeah. care about is that you, you know, you get the thing done and, and get exactly. it out. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, I think there was too much emphasis placed on uh, deadlines. Yeah, well, um, I went to school for journalism, so I totally get that when it's that kind of reporting. But when it's an English paper or something of that nature, it's just uh, it's just a matter of you know, getting it done. At the end of the day, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. you can tell when you when when we contacted you earlier with the list, it's like that's that's all Dexter. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Not a single thing. <laughs> Um, moving on, though, um, one of the things that you talked about in um, your book was, and this is actually a, a joke question, but I'm going to word it better than he did. Um, You're the was, editor. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> was your ride of the ride of the Valkyrie, your literal ride of the Valkyrie. And, uh, it's probably to like my favorite part of the book is like he's just literally running around. I, 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 I assumed it was in L.A., with a with a with this lady in a Valkyrie costume looking for a drug oh, you yeah, haven't well, heard of. Yeah, that's a true story. I mean, <laughs> her name was Civil Danning, and she was uh, one of the stars of of Battle Beyond the Stars, you know, mm. which was which was the movie it was for Roger Corman, and uh, you know, kind of everybody got their start doing something for Roger Corman. I was like an epic fail, but I mean, nevertheless, you know, I did it. Um, and uh, uh, she had a cold. And she wanted Sudafed. And for some reason, here's what's really weird. I just never, you know, I'd gotten through an entire life never having heard of Sudafed. And um, so she, uh, you know, so she said, I, I'll, I'll go with you. And so she got in the car, but she's dressed like a Valkyrie. You can, you know, just look it up on, uh, <laughs> on uh, you know, your we favorite. We did. <laughs> Search, and you'll see exactly what she oh you you looked it up so you saw what she looked like right <laughs> yes now imagine riding around la in the 80s with that you know that's your that's your uh you know the person you're driving with and you know just this sense that like you know i'm gonna get killed doing this um and uh, you know i mean you know, I mean, you know that was just a striking image let's put it that way uh and she was also very pleasant but uh yeah, and and but I you know I lived to tell about it. And, you know, I mean, you know, what I didn't die. It, you know, it it uh, worked out pretty well. And the, the funny thing yeah, about that, that little story that also, you you know that was in there because that was just that was just the kind of thing that happened in those days. Yeah. You know, you'd also find yourself, you know, you know, driving, uh, you know, around uh, Los Angeles with some sex symbol, you know, getting her Sudafed, and you know, it's like you know that was that was the job. Yeah, uh, what what I know that uh, that was very significant for you because you started off that story with with when I knew that I didn't want to be this part in making a film, it was that. Uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, definitely did not want to uh, be a PA. I mean, that you know, I, I kind of, I kind of, you know, man's got to know his limitations, and one of mine is I'm not a PA. You know, I was just <laughs> terrible at everything, and. Uh, uh yeah you know i mean because you know you're basically and when you're on a set it, you know it's basically a construction site yeah and mm -hmm. uh you know I, yeah that was not uh that was not the uh whatever i don't think anybody has to use some of them i don't think anybody wants to be the gopher it's just something that is like has to be done 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that is absolutely true. Yeah, you you know you you know you need you need PAs and uh, and you know and also what everybody wants is to get a break, get in, to, you know, to be in the business, get their foot in the door. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. that's in a very real sense that's paying your dues. Um, one of the things that Joe and I both talked about that we were like we want to pick your brain on more is um, the and let me get the wording right. The scepter of seven souls that was right, interesting yes. that that when i was in that part of your book i'm like this is a great ass concept why has no one done this yet <laughs> so you thought that well, and i was thinking of um i mean there so might there have a, been like iterations out there oh yeah yeah and i was just thinking of the D D item uh rod of seven parts and i think that watsi tried to do something with that in like their live shows for a bit but it never came to any fruition as far as i could tell yeah, well, this was just, I mean, you know, what I, I and I found, you know, a, a partial draft of it um, that I sometime, someday may do something with. Mm -hmm. But what it was, was, you know, the draft I had was partly the script I wrote, uh, you know, when I was in film school. And then the rest of it, you know, the, it was kind of, you know, a lot of characters and situations and all that were sort of grafted onto the idea Gary and I had. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was another one of those things that worked out really well. Have you seen the movie yet? Anything Everywhere? Um, Everything Everywhere all at once. And you guys are now the second people in two days with Michelle Yeoh. Um, yeah. yeah the second people in uh, two days that have told me I got to see this. I, yeah, haven't. I haven't seen it myself, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, it when I was listening to it, when I was hearing friends talk about it, it was just like, wow, this sounds this sounds like something you would like just because of the um connection to uh S scepter seven souls and that whole yeah, like you know, mixed I, I genre see, thing. i gotta see it well i mean what, what we were trying to do is you know the tsr had all these those these different worlds at that point. yeah and and so the you know the holy grail was to was to you know get all of them you know somehow tie them all into the same fiction and so that's that's what we we're trying to do and and you know we and excuse me you know we didn't really see the distinction in the genres and you know all that you know i mean it's you're young and reckless and so uh you know they you know that doesn't seem like much of a challenge or even a slightly unusual thing to do and uh yeah you know that yeah that was one of those that was one of those things that just kind of got away you know i mean we never we never actually did uh um uh you know finish it but though we i think we had a draft and and also too we got distracted because we were writing the Stegard books then, which are our, right. our fixed path adventures mm -hmm. uh, that we did for uh, uh, for uh, Simon Schuster, and I was in, you know when Gary was having a lot of trouble with his his partners, um, you know he he signed a deal with Simon Schuster to do books, and they ended up being being these books. Gotcha. Yeah. Um... One of the other, two of the other points that we definitely wanted to touch upon, uh, this is switching gears a little bit, was, um, but since you did mention Gary, um, you emphasize a lot about, you know, um, your relationship with him in, in, in your book um, and the potential yes. for, for Gary to have imposter syndrome due to all this fame that he garnered almost, uh, not overnight, but like in a very short amount of time. Um, yes. Yes. But because you emphasize so well with Gary, um, do you feel that you yourself have had um, symptoms of imposter syndrome yourself? Um, 
And how have you well, dealt with I don't, I don't with know that I, I would say that Gary ever had, you know, imposter syndrome was. He was a real deal. I mean, you know, I mean, no, he was. Very, yeah, it would be very bizarre if he had imposter syndrome because, like, I mean, he's about as real as it gets. Um, sure. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, and yeah, I, I don't think I ever really did because, you know, if, if you see from the book or kind of the subtext of it is, it took me a lot of time to get in the door. I mean, I, th I think you would mm -hmm. tend to get imposter syndrome if you thought it came too easily. But for me, it really didn't. I mean, it was a long time between, between undergraduate school and, and being a professional writer. So, it, you know, it's, sure. uh, um, you, know, I, you know, so it felt like, you know, I, you know, I mean, I felt like I paid my dues. I didn't have the sense of, you know, I just got there, you know, by the luck of the draw. You know, I mean, it was... Uh, it was a long time and I, you know, and I really kind of did work my way up in, in, you know, certainly in cartoon world. I mean, it happened very quickly, but, I, but it wasn't like it was effortless. For sure. No, no, that's not to say anything about the, your lack like, of effort like at all. If I, if I represented it that way, that was, it was, uh, it was a lot of stuff. It definitely was a, a very quick and fast career um, in terms of like, in the way, the way the book makes it seem, I should say. And everything um, just, was in the yeah. I mean, because I glossed over the fact that yeah, there were there were like I was probably six years between undergraduate and uh, you know and making a living as a writer, which you know may may in the real world be fast, but it certainly at the time it certainly didn't. Yeah, no, fast. yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And yes, right. I mean, you know, it, it you know I guess I guess it would look fast, but yeah, you know, it, it really felt like I was taking forever. Um, another thing we wanted to talk about, well, actually, I'm going to switch gears again myself. Um, one of the things that you said you were proud of, um, that you said in the book that, um, was some of your best writing was on visionaries and, um, oh, oh, by the way, <laughs> about visionaries, sure. when the, when the, when it was mentioned in the book, I'm like, why does that sound so familiar? And and then when when I googled it, I'm like, wait a minute! I've been trying to figure out what cart what cartoon this was, this image in my head, and this so, was it. Joe like, and I actually oh had this conversation like about a year ago that we remember a, sh a show that involved knights and like you know turning into spirit animals, and we were like, what was it? And the best we could come up with was this thing of uh, that Deke did on um, King Arthur and knights and football teams and right. i don't know yeah what, what was that called no it, it, it <laughs> might well have been thinking about visionaries because they you know they were hologramic we, you know, totem animals the the thing that made me realize because i did watch the first four episodes after uh, when we scheduled this interview i was like this is it because the limericks the the poems is what i was most remembered i don't remember them when i was a kid but i was like oh man this is cool like this is like totally like up my alley i was big into king arthur as a kid so right no, that was, I mean, Visionaries was just, I mean, I remember that was the last thing, you know, we did in that run, the Sunbow run. And, uh, and you know, it was, uh, it's something I remember very fondly. And, you know, uh, we, you know, we all ended up very proud of it. It was, you know, probably, you know, sort of, uh, you know, it, it was the last thing we did. In some way, you could argue it was the best. Um, yeah, that's obviously just a matter of opinion, but I mean, you know, you, you could, you know, you, you can make a pretty good argument for it. There was, it certainly had the best animation because of Tokyo movie, Shimshaw, 
it was when all of us were kind of at the peak of our powers because we've been doing it for a long time. And, uh, um, and he, you know, it just came out really well. And plus there was a sense of, you know, this is the last ride, you know, I mean, we got to get it right. And, there was a lot and, of cool uh, continuity I saw from like episode one to two to three, like, um, yeah, and yeah, you, you had that. In... With... Sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did, we had a lot, of, a lot of continuity, you know, cause people weren't really thinking about shows that way back then. And you know, the, you know, the idea, you know, the idea of continuity, I mean, what's totally standard now, mm-hmm. you know, was, was kind of, you know, really sort of radical, you know, thinking back then. Right. right? You and wanted so, your more episodic stuff because that was yeah, just the well, best of it, plug it and place. Yes. You know, but it's just, you know, even, you know, Transformers and Joe, you know, we, we just got this idea that, you know, I, you know, this was this kind of ongoing, yeah, I'm not sure I would call it exactly a shared world, but it, you know, it sort of was. And, uh, you know, that was, that was really cool. You know, that, you know, that, that, um, you know, we were able to, you know, cause I mean, the great thing is, is, you know, just the guys at, at, you know, Hasbro and certainly our, our employers, you know, Tom Griffin and Joe Bacall were unbelievably supportive of, you know, just, you know, whatever we thought was cool. Jay Bacall was, you know, was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's really the unsung hero of that whole era that, you know, cause he's just kind of such a modest, you know, sort of unassuming guy. I, you know, he never gets the credits he deserved because he was, he was a guy really on top of, uh, of all the shows, but yeah, we, we knew it was, you know, it was, it was the end and we we're sad about it. And, and so visionaries, you know, you know, was, you know, it was kind of the swan song and, uh, and, uh, you know, and it was a good one. Um, I heard that when I was, uh, looking on the web that like, um, there's been talks of like, you know, rebringing that show back. Do you think that it has a chance or do you think it's probably just, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, anything can happen, but it was so long ago and stuff (laughs) like that. You always, what you never know is, you know, where the rights are, whether, you know, anybody's willing to make it, you know, a lot of times that just comes down to business, but also, you know, it was, it was a show that was weirdly doomed because the toy line had been canceled before the, before the show even aired. Yeah, wasn't it like uh, too expensive to make the toys or something? Or the the toys were too expensive or something like that? Yeah. First of all, I wanted one when I was a kid, okay? (laughs) Yeah, the world changed, you know? I mean, that's that's the best way I could describe it, you know, is that, you know, the world that we'd sort of, you know, known and loved and thrived under and all that, you know, know, just turned into a very different place for a variety of reasons. You know, the marketplace changed, the, uh, the companies changed, the, you know, just... A lot of stuff changed, and so uh, you know, you know that you know that you know the the, the toy show world just you know kind of you know kind of never existed again. So one of the things that you, since you brought that up, one of the things that you mentioned in your book uh, was that um, the '80s had a lot of tumultuous things happening during it. There was um, the Iranian uh, Revolution. There was the hostage situation. There was um, the gas prices going up. There was the Reagan election, there was all these uh, things that were like happening death that, of disco. Um, death of disco, um, that created this perfect storm of like, you know, content ideas for y'all. Like you, you mentioned about Transformers being based off of one thing, uh, G.I. Joe being based off of another issue, et cetera. Um, 
Yeah, and at the same time, a lot of people look back at the 80s in terms of the TV shows anyway, as like this ideal time, like this the, the last uh, bastion of like, you know, um, happy TV, so to speak. Um, why do you think yeah, that is? I what? mean, I was, I was having this, you know, kind of, you know, sort of mostly humorous debate with the guy the other day about about the 80s. Yeah, and, and I mean, a lot of the stuff you're talking about was really, I mean, like the Iranian Revolution and all that was really seven. And now that you know, all this time later, there doesn't that doesn't seem to make a lot of you know, you know, what's, you know what's the difference? But they actually were wildly different decades, and probably that period in the mid '80s was kind of yeah. I mean, the world was just kind of a happy place. You know, it, it was you know, it was very different than today. You know, not to not to get into that stuff and turn that out depressing, but I mean. You know, I, you know, the world's just not particularly happy right now. And, and you know, the 80s, it was. I mean, I, you know, I look at the 80s and, and even at the time thought it, you know, this is, this is a really fun time. And, and, you know, people were just having fun. The music was fun. You know, the 70s were the gas lines and the oil crisis, mm -hmm. and the oil war. I mean, and obviously Transformers, you know, was reflecting, you know, some of that, you know, from the, you know, it was, because you know what was it about? It's you know these guys in constant pursuit of energon, right? And you know and that was just kind of code for, for you know you know gasoline and and sure. uh, you know and all that. But by then you know it wasn't you know it wasn't a dark you know feeling at all. It was a you know it, you know it was like we were going to make it, and and you know and and that's why I think people tend. You know, and and you know, talk to talk to other people who are, who are there, and they may have a completely different opinion than I do. But people tend to remember it very fondly because it was just kind of a fun time. I mean, it was actually just sort of a you know, I would not say frivolous decade because a lot of things happened. But you know, that was when you know, <laughs> it's kind of depressing to think about it now. But you know, that was when the Cold War ended. Uh, you know, that was uh, um, you know, the, the world just you know, it was it was kind of fun and, and different then it was not it was not a dark period in my in my estimation or memory at all all right i think that um you had mentioned that in the book um i can't remember it was near the end of the book that but um when joe and i were first plotting out this um episode because we do knew we wanted to do an 80s thematic themed episode right um we uh, before we even contacted we were thinking about all the uh, the shows now that reference the 80s or movies um you got stuff like um, ready player one we've got a lot of reboots happening from 80s stuff the the transformer series which is older now but you know it's um still relevant the uh gi joe um reboot um why things a lot of a lot of stranger things, things. Came out of so why do you think uh, there's this return to the 80s? Is it just chic? Is it just because, the time? Because it was, you know, it was a really great decade. You know, I mean, you know, that that's really, I mean, you know, it was fun. You know, I, you know, I mean, it's hard to explain. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think people, you know, kind of return to it because, you know, they, you know, it, they remember it fondly. For sure. Would be, would be my answer to it. I mean, you know, some decades, yeah, I, you know, what's funny is, like the 70s at the time, I think people thought were kind of crappy, you know, now in retrospect, you know, yeah, you know, they were actually weren't that bad. But at the time, they, you know, they were just, you know, perceived as this kind of, you know, depressing decade. But uh, the 80s were not. 
you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think, I think we all knew we were, you know, we were in a good period then. For sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. So, so you got I, anything right now? I do have a question. Yes. Sure. Um, Lynn, would you bail me out of jail? <laughs> yeah, he's talking about Chris Lada. Yeah, yes. that really happened. That was like there's a summer of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, you know, of uh, bailing Chris Lada out of jail. You know, and it was never clear what it was for, and it obviously wasn't anything very serious. But uh, like, I, you know, tw I, I remember twice. It could have been three times. But I mean, seriously, you know, really, the same guy. <laughs> oh yeah, this guy played Starscream. It was Chris Lotta. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, you get the phone call from Chris. Hey, man, you know, like, you know, I'm down here. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, so, you know, uh, what was it? Jaywalking. I, you know, it's jaywalking. And, you know, get me out. And it was like, you know, oh, man. so it's like two o'clock in the morning. And, Did he have uh, a list you know, with him he, to call? Or it just so happened that he had you like, Call Flint when shit happens. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I remember thinking, God, this guy, you know, anybody who like calls me when that, you know, they're having problems, you know, they're, they're, some, they're, they're they really got to repair their life, you know, because I mean, you know, I'm, I was terribly. I, I guess you were worth the quarter. Did they put in quarters and payphones in the 80s? Was it just the dimes enough? I don't know. But yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, he'd be down there at the at the you know, police station. And you mm -hmm. go out there, and it was always fifteen hundred dollars. That I remember. There some, <laughs> always you know, something like that. You know, whatever uh, we, we can do some detective stuff know. right now and go like, what, what was a $1,500 offense in the yeah, 80s for someone know, to get I mean, bailed yeah, out? You could huh? probably go back and find out now. But you know, the truth is, I didn't really want to know. You know, I, mean, <laughs> that's what I, I wanted to get him to re into the recording. And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, as I said, you know, it was like now, you know, this would all be, you know, kind of thought about and handled and treated differently. But back then, that was just kind of, you know, standard op for people. Oh, yeah, pull out of jail. Okay. You know, and <laughs> I never tell, tell my employers that, you know, you know, about it. And then what's really, what is amazing is like three years later, he showed up at my house with all the money. Oh, that's nice. You know, in other that words, is nice. You know, I mean, yeah. I never expected to see it again. I never, you know, it was just like, you know, there's just a period where, you know, we're all being paid too much anyway. So, you know, it was like, uh, you know, I just figured, well, you know, you know, you can kiss that goodbye. And indeed, he showed up and, you know, he, he'd gone through, you know, like sobriety programs and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and came with all the money. It was really it was really kind of funny thing. But, you know, that, but he's, to, to tell you something about the 80s, just kind of, you know, I mean, it's just kind of well, that was one of those things that happened. It was a, it was just a much less, you know, um, it was a much looser time than we currently live in. Let's put it that way, because I don't think, and now I don't think anybody would see that as being, you know, no big deal. But at the time, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, 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 you know, that happens. Uh, that happens. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. You know, uh, so, um, you mentioned that. Uh, uh, when uh, when I was trying to get uh, when I was reaching out, you have a very interesting problem, and I want to know what it's like. What is what is well, what overwritten? Is I have lots of but which one is it? Uh, overwriting. Overwriting. It's like 
oversleeping, but writing. Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, no, no I mean... what a problem. As a person <laughs> who would like to have like something like yeah. that, it's like, I, I'm writing too much, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny? What I, I read this thing, Stephen King was talking about it, and he put it in a really interesting way. He was talking about it, you know, when you when you just get really deep in, and this is, I, you know, I love when this happens. It is not like this happens every day. Do not let me mm-hmm. mislead. Um, but you know, yeah, you, you know, you, uh, yeah, you know, you you you're writing along. You're really excited about what you're doing, and and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, the last hour and a half just like vanished, and and you really do, you know, it's it's very much like oversleeping. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and but, it, it, you know, it's not really a good thing because, you know, you're late, you're letting somebody down and you're late for something and, you know, it's embarrassing. But yeah, that's that 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 is it. That is a very real thing. Had it happened to me like a few times, but it's been a very long time. Also, I haven't been writing uh, creatively like that in quite a number of years. But back when in college when I was doing poetry, yeah, I get that the whole you're writing 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 and then all of a sudden you look and you realize you missed lunch or you missed dinner or yeah you know you just happen then you know it's obvious it's kind of exciting when that happens you know um i always compare it, is, compare it, to it like, is exciting yes i always compare it to like a rubik's cube being solved in my head everything just clicking everything is just clicking together and just the key the keys are just you know flowing everything is just going through and um you're in the zone that's like runner's high but writer's high i guess yeah, I mean, that's a good way of putting it. That really is kind of how it works, you know. And, um, yeah, as I said, I wish this happened every day, and it does not. So, you know, I'd be mm-hmm. horribly misleading if I said, oh, yeah, I routinely get so deeply involved <laughs> in writing. But but it happens often wow. enough, <laughs> you know, that it's kind of, you know, it is it is an issue. Well, we appreciate that you, you let us in on that so that um, – and we're stuck to our um, – what you call it, um, meeting, um, what you call it, uh, okay, there was something else so, I wanted to bring up. Yeah, yeah, well, here's ahead, one thing I want to bring up though. Um, sure. and the, whose idea was it to put that, the, the very first part of the book, it was a really good hook. Oh my because, God. Yeah. Because like I said, I'm like, when, when, uh, when I was handed the book, I'm like, who's, who's this guy? I don't know who this guy is, but okay. So, right. you know, I, 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 I flipped through the first you know, uh, I think it took like two, maybe three pages of it. And I'm like, wow. And I was just hooked about it. And at the same time, from here on out, everything, all the image in my head of everything that happened to you during that time was like sepia tone, grainy, everyone's holding cigarettes. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> bright, you know, primary colors, like, you know, transparent. You know. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's better at um, when I yeah. when I was reading the intro, um, I couldn't help but compare it to um, another book I read when I was like 15 years ago at this point, um, How to Read Literature Like a Professor um, by Brian Foster or something like that. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was a book that my 10th grade English teacher handed me that was just how to go about looking at writing. And right. that's this kind of just made me realize that you, that book, and... Um, uh, what you call it, Justin Campbell, were all pretty much the, the whole he- monomyth hero's journey, the whole, like, which is your whole structure of your book is loosely based in. It just, like, it yes, put a, it yeah, I mean, yeah, it put a smile on my face true. for sure. It oh, put yeah, a smile on my face true. for sure. No, it's very, it, it is very, you know, 
Yeah, because I, I structured the book because I, I, I figured the Joseph Campbell thing was relevant because literally mm -hmm. I heard from, I mean, you know, George Lucas when we were doing uh, right. droids literally handed us a copy of, uh, you know, uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces and mm -hmm. um, um, Uses of Enchantment by Brutal Bettelheim. And those were our, uh, you know, those were our uh, Bibles, pretty much. Yeah, the, those are those are our Bibles. And that was what we were supposed to write from. And, uh, you know, it, it uh, you know, and we did, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, it was, it was hugely important. It was hugely impactful, but, you know, it was literally what happened, you know, there on that day. Uh, do you that think, period. do you think uh, George Lucas would sometimes lean back in his chair and think, and still refer to you in his head as that guy with the good ideas? <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I don't know that, but what I do know is, is that, <laughs> Years later, when you know they were vetting me at Amblet, you know when I was uh, when I did uh, Tiny uh, Tunes, Tiny Tunes, Tiny Tunes. And, uh, yeah, it was it was for writing Tiny Tunes. You know they they you know apparently Stephen called him or somebody there and and they liked me. You know now maybe it was somebody else you know covering for me, but uh, um, I got through the thing. And Paul Dini told me later on that you know that you know he was he was kind of wondering what happened to that guy. You know the guy that was here. And it's like well you know. <laughs> not here anymore um <laughs> so yeah i mean you know so you know that so that was you know that was you know how that worked but uh um yeah i mean it was it was a good experience i mean you know i mean you know all that stuff you know you, you take the you take the wins and the losses you know together you sure. know what i mean so that reminds me too um since we're talking about the droids and lucas briefly um hold on wait the question okay, on, wasn't answered. On. Oh, so, what was the question? Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Whose idea oh, was to put that in the front of the book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whose idea was it to put that in the front of the book? Like, this is a good hook. Oh, and you know what? They were well, right. What I put in the front of the book was the story, uh, the Frank Miller story. That was good. I mean. Yeah, it's... that well, that was, yeah, the Frank Miller story. I always knew that was the beginning of the book because it kind of encapsulated what was magic about that period is you could be sitting around working on the Transformer movie, trying to figure out, you know, you know, how to kill Optimus Prime. And yeah, and Steve Gerber, you know, who was the guy who created Howard the Duck, um, you know, you know, you know all this from the book, but just for anybody mm -hmm. who didn't read it. Um, you know, it was, uh, Gerber was the guy that created Howard the Duck, was the guy who, uh, you know, was having lunch with Frank, you know, and this guy shows up and, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'd heard of Frank Miller, but, you know, wasn't, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we were, we were all pretty young then, you know, I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he was a prominent, you know, comic book guy, but, you know, I wasn't really a comic book guy myself. And, and, and so, I mean, I'd say if there was some pretender aspect to me, that was probably it, you know, not that I was pretending to like stuff that I wasn't, because I didn't, but, um, you know, uh, you know, I was not, you know, I was not a comic book guy. I was probably the only guy in that group who was really if I was something other than, you know, what I was, I, that was a game guy. And that was, you know, that was unusual in those days. Okay. So you, know, you made me, I was the only one like that, but no, that was my idea. I mean, that was, that was when I sat down and decided, okay, this is going to be a, uh, you know, a book that was, I, I think, you know, cause I was sitting in, uh, you know, as I say in the beginning, I know you're getting a rerun here, but yeah, uh, just for people to know. I, I literally the book. I started writing the book when I was sitting in Paris, and and I was working at that point at Ni a company called Niantic, and we were we'd been spun out of Google, and we didn't know what our mm -hmm. future was going to be, and we had a new game coming out, 
And, you know, it's kind of like, well, if the game goes well, yeah, I guess, I guess we got a future, but if it doesn't, we're in trouble. And was that game Pokemon go? Yeah. Yeah. And so it worked out for us, but the, you know, the, you know, at that exact moment, you know, I was just kind of, and, and so just kind of keep my, you know, self mentally busy and, uh you know and you know because i didn't have any direct other work to be doing i just started writing you know writing the but that was when i really you know as i said a lot of it was assembled interviews and things but that was when i really you know you know started you know treating it like okay this is a real project and i'm really doing it yeah uh, i was actually like like um when I when I search her up on imdb like before i even flipped the book and i'm like okay let's find out who this guy is and i'm like the first thing i saw was like or that captured my eye was was Uncharted. And we're like, oh, okay, Uncharted. Everyone loves that game, so self included. Yeah, that was. And then a I scrolled, <laughs> and then I scrolled down, and I'm like, Nuclear Strike, and that's my childhood. And I'm like, wait, you wait, you okay, I, I love that because I mean, <laughs> the, your Nuclear Strike is yeah, you know, that and Soviet that's Strike, game. those two. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So when, when I saw those, games. yeah, yeah. The problem with games is that, you know, people forget them very fast. It's not like, you know, like you write books, they're kind of around forever. Okay. Or you do the TV shows now that you have streaming and syndication. So, you know, people still know about Transformers and all that. But if you did a game, you know, and that was for the PlayStation 1. Yeah, yeah, yes. people can get emulators and all that, but it doesn't stay in the culture you know, nearly as long as, you know, as other mediums do. Oh, man, I was so growing up. Uh, people know about Nuclear Strike. The other thing about games is nobody sort of knows about them. You know, in other words, if you played a game, you know, you remember it extremely well, right? But if you've never played it, it's not entirely real to you. Yeah. I can, uh, I can, yes. Yeah, I no, do, I, I totally do. get yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, like, I was just yeah, remember, because yeah. like, I was playing this game, like, we, we used to have a computer rental store. I grew up in the Philippines, and I was just right. sweating my balls off after school and just shooting people from high above. And I'm like, oh, there's a guy giving me orders. Let's go. Let's do this. And it, it was it was actually, Dexter, if you don't know what it is, it's just like a, it's like a heli, it's the, one of the first um, helicopter uh, sandbox games. Oh, okay. Well, cool. yeah, it was also a really smart game. Yes, so, you know, in the in that you know, and that that you know, we did uh, nuclear strike afterwards, but it was it was you know they called it thinking man shooter, and that was a fair title for it. Uh, you know, in that in that it you know it it was uh, um, you really had to figure out plot out your strategy and know what you're going to do, and you had to balance your fuel and your armor. Yes, I was like, can I make that? Nope, can't make it. <laughs> yeah, and what was really cool about that is that was the first major studio, major release game I did. Before that, I'd done a bunch of like full motion video kinds of games, you know, things like Double Switch and you know Maximum Surge and Corpse Killer and you know all those things, um, uh, which was you know zombies long before they're fashionable. But uh, you know they you know they were. You know, those were, you know, you know, smaller productions. They were sort of specialized platforms. Whereas, you know, I'd been a fan of uh, of uh, Soviet Strike. I mean, sorry, of, of Desert Strike, Jungle Strike, and Urban Strike. I'd, mm. I'd actually played them. So it was really exciting about that one. It was like, oh, wow. I mean, this is, you know, I'm, yeah, I know this game extremely well. I get to work on this. You know, that was, that was really <laughs> cool. Yeah. 
Uh, I want a special mention. I also enjoyed playing the Tourites. Oh, yeah. Right. No, that's right. There's another one. There, okay. Dead to Rights was a really, you know, unique and wonderful experience from the point of view that um, that was, uh, I, I was with a guy named Andre Emerson, who, you know, is uh, from, you know, my producer on that project. And Andre, um, you know, called me up one day and he said, hey, I've got a silver bullet. Well, you know, what should we do? A silver bullet in those days meant you had done something that um, had been a hit. So the company was going to let you do more, you know, do whatever you wanted. That what was the silver bullet? The what, which one was that for him? Uh, that was uh, that was dead to rights. I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I think silver bullet. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Army Man. I think maybe I did that with him. Uh, it might have been one. Army Man. Okay, Army Man was, yeah, uh, it was really I mean, big it was, in PlayStation I, you know, One. I don't don't quote me on that because I'm not positive. That's what okay it was. for it was sure. Something like you know. Uh, well, I'm on the radio saying it, so uh, I'm on the podcast saying it. So. <laughs> but that that's my recollection. But you know, I could be that could be inaccurate. But point is, you know, yeah, silver bullet. You know, it's just that call you never get in the real world, which was, hey, what do you want to do? And, uh, you know, of course, you know, I mean, uh, okay, I'll, uh, uh, let's do, uh, you know, let, let's do new, something noir. You know, and because I've always been a nice. big film noir fan. So it was like, oh, yeah, we'll do something uh, noir. And, and, you know, it turned out, you know, and uh, we worked on it for a long time. And that was another thing that was interesting is, at the exact same moment I was doing that, Frank was doing um, Sin City. And, mm -hmm. you know, those really cross-pollinated in a funny way because he was, uh, you know, Frank was really into uh, Dashiell Hammett. You know, and a lot of Sin City came from that. And that was his first reference to all of this stuff. And I was more into Raymond Chandler. And somewhere along the line, we kind of crossed, you know, and, and I all, you know, and Dead to Rights is really, you know, is really... Uh, um, you know, much more, you know, Red Harvest, you know, Dashiell Hammett. And, and, you know, and, and Sin City started becoming more Chandler-esque. It was just kind of funny. It was like, you know, sort of these two passions we had and they just, you know, kind of uh, flip-flopped, uh, you know, merged. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a good transition into um, one of the other talking points I've alluded to before. Um, WonderCon, tell me about that panel that never happened. Yeah, what was oh, that supposed well, to be that about? Was, uh, <laughs> I, I, John Nee was heading up the panel, and it was going to be uh, Matt Hawkins was going to be on it. Well, originally Chris Metzen was going to be on it. Yeah, you know Chris from uh, right from Blizzard. Oh, I met him once. Um, Warcraft, yeah, all that stuff. I have a funny um, story about Chris, real quick. Um, I have a funny story about Chris. Actually, um, I remember going to. Uh, I graduated college in 2014. My friends decided, hey. We're not going to be able to see you because I went to school in upstate New York. So they said, we're going to buy you a BlizzCon ticket. And so the four, three of us went. And um, it was right when the Warcraft movie was uh, being announced. And so we went we're to go right. see we went to go see the trailer um, that they were showing at the time. And then we went down the stairwell that nobody was on. And there we are. We see Chris. And he's just hanging out in the stairwell. We just strike up a conversation with him. And um, it oh, was the funniest. Yeah, he's an awesome dude. Um, He's very, he's, very oh, no, he's like he, he very down to earth. Every, you know, epic hero he writes about. I mean, he, he's mm -hmm. like yeah, totally the real deal that way. Yeah, um, he's very I mean, down to earth, very chill he's guy. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you, you you know anybody else can stand up and yell cataclysm and have an entire room? I mean, he really right. is. People use the cliche all the time, but he really is a rock star. 
he's my war chief what can i say um <laughs> yeah, he's your war chief you know yeah, yeah. but anyway so for whatever yeah. reason he couldn't make it so mm-hmm. uh um and I, I don't know who we replaced him with uh my son who's working with john knee um uh was going to be on the panel and uh um you know, he was feeling bad about it being nepotism, but the fact of the matter is he probably knows more about the current state of all this stuff than almost anybody. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's, and we're just, you know, that we're just going to be talking about it, you know, is, is you know, because, I mean, everybody knows the relationships between games and movies, but games mm-hmm. and comics is, is also a really important relationship, and, you know, nobody ever talks about it. Right. So what are some examples that you can give of, like, you know, that relationship? that um oh uh yeah, well i mean what we're you know yeah what i was gonna focus on you know wasn't you know we're really doing a history of it. it was more just you know just sort of sort of the relationship because you have all these different mediums that you know all have some similarities to each other and all kind of you know grow up around each other these and, fandoms and yeah and comics and games are an interesting one because there aren't a lot of really obvious examples that, of things that start out as comics and end up game well obviously walking dead would be probably you know the you yeah. know but that, that would end up a tv show before the comic that was a game for sure so, um, um you know but i mean certainly the popularization of zombies you know was was yeah. a product of, of yeah, walking yeah. Dead. the only thing i can think of is um the divinity two people put out a comic and um which is phenomenal um but that was yeah um you don't see that cross-pollination as much but it is it does exist no. It, it it does and uh you know and will probably more so because you know as we're in a period now you know i, I mean i think we're a state start seeing a lot of new stuff i mean i i want the 20s to turn into the you know being like the 80s yeah um, a new creative era and, that know, would be and, nice and just start being fun and and you know because you know i i think we're going to see a period where you know people want to see a lot of new stuff because you know we've been you know, and I mean, obviously, you know, like the Marvel movies have been, you know, probably the most successful and one of the best mm-hmm. runs ever in the history of the uh, of the film industry. Business. But you know, mm-hmm. it's it's like you know, we've been seeing that for a while, and you know, and you know, you want to see something different. Creatively, we've been spinning the wheels for the past couple decades. Um, yeah, I mean, studios want to be yeah. safe. Yeah, well, yeah, there are a lot of factors. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, first of all we for the first time ever had the technology to do things like the marvel for sure you know you can make a really good stab at it and you know like you know tim burton batman movies were good Mm -hmm. and you know the uh but you couldn't quite do obviously you couldn't do what you can do now for sure and so that was part of it and part of it is you've got an international marketplace you know and unlike you know before you know before movies you know you know, it was domestic and there was a little bit of foreign and stuff like that. Well, now, you know, everybody understands the Marvel characters, you know, and everybody understands Star Wars. And so, you know, that's another part of it. I mean, I'm sure safety is a component of it, but I don't think it's all that, you know, I think, it, you know, there are a lot of components to why that stuff is very appealing for, for studios and, and mm-hmm. you know, to, to get involved with now. You know that that you know doesn't really have any you know it isn't really directly you know connected to the to you know just you know safety but that but you know let's not kid ourselves that's part of it you know it's just it, you know when you spend five billion dollars to buy star wars or whatever they spend 
you know that you know we can't pretend they aren't taking a financial risk i mean that's that's a financial risk that's you know big man money yeah yeah and same thing with marvel I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I think Kevin Feige, the, you know, the producer on it, you know, is the guy's a genius, you know, and, uh, you know, certainly the stuff John Favreau did with, uh, with Star Wars. With, uh, well, uh, with uh, uh, Iron Man, didn't he do? Uh, right. he did Iron yes. Man. Um, yeah, he did yes. Iron you're, Man. No, yeah. You know who I was thinking of? Filoni. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, I always get them uh, you know, messed uh, up you in know, my head. Yeah, basically, that was genius. And, you, you yes. know, you you get really lucky and you have, you know, somebody you know, like uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing mm-hmm. Iron Man. I, to me, that's when they, when they absolutely got it with how to make a Marvel movie, you For know, sure. and, and it just, you know, when that happens, that's just magic. The last question I got for you, I'm not sure if Joe has any more is because um, we are, um, you know, getting close to our hour. It might be over the hour, but um what is there anything that you're currently working on i know you mentioned subterranean that was but anything else gonna that be you... the same question that i had so <laughs> yeah well, what I, can I, you I, talk about a project with a company called deviation and yeah you guessed it you know the the project mm-hmm. is is as of now unannounced so i can't talk For sure. about it no yeah okay. but it is incredible it is it is you know certainly one of the coolest and and most ambitious things i've ever worked on let me put it that way do we know the and Oh yeah, the medium like, at least. What? Oh yeah, it's, it's a video game. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's good deviation. The company itself has been announced. Um, you know, yeah. So yeah. There's no big secret there, but mm-hmm. um, you know, you just take a look at the the team, and it's like you know, it's playing in some one of these you know rock band super groups or something. You know, it's like, hey, you want to play in the you know Blind Faith or Traveling Wilburys or you know Crosby, Stills and Nash? I mean, it's 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 really exciting and flattering to be on that team. Yeah, I saw you put you had it advertised on your Facebook page, and I was like, oh, yeah, "What is yeah, this?" Yeah, they, they told us to put our stuff there. Um, because, couldn't you know, you know, we're team building right now and recruiting, so so. Uh, um, you know, we'll, looking forward we'll to hear more about that when you guys are ready to announce. Oh yeah, it. I'll happily do that. You know, when I when I can talk about it, I will. For sure. Um, anything else in the works that you can't talk about, or just that's about uh, it for now? Let's see. Uh, now, just that, you know, just the kind of you know, you know, array of uh, sort of pet projects that that I'm doing. Um, you know, you know, arranging all the way from stuff like uh, I might do another. You know, John Platt and I taught a class together, so I might do another. You know, video game writing book. And uh, there's there's part of me that someday wants to do the sequel to the Games Master. Just, like the next two eras of my life were every bit as interesting as that one. They were just different because they were you know kind of at the beginning of, of video games. Yeah, so when uh, was, yeah, when we finished but, the uh, the audio book, um, my coworker is like, "So what's next?" And I'm like, "I don't know. He's probably gonna write about the '90s because there's this is a setup." I, I, would, I would love to write. Yeah, it'll say I, Flint yeah, Dilly I, will I, be back. <laughs> <laughs> will return frankly there are at least you know there are probably three other eras that are you know in their own way as interesting as that that was just kind of epic and you know 80s are what people are asking about but part of that's because you know like a lot of people who grew up in the 80s you know uh, you know are now adults and you know want to see that stuff and you know so much of the stuff we did in the 80s is still you know relevant mm-hmm. yeah you know what I mean? And so, you know, so yeah, but there'll be, uh, there may be more of that stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I always have, you know, I mean, I was kind of saying that in the book, you know, 
I always have, you know, X number of, you know, kind of, you know, project product, projects that I'm kind of woodshedding and all that. And uh, so, not to mention you know, the overwriting. <laughs> I yeah, wonder I what he's writing about. <laughs> I mean, I had a bunch of COVID projects. I mean, like, you know, Paul okay. Dini had the, and I had this thing, you know, Paul Dini is you'd like, yeah, uh, you know, the Batman animated series is mm-hmm. all that. And we have this, uh, we have this project we rediscovered that, that we, we concocted in the 80s and we're kind of dancing around with that i don't think we have some with me for talking about it and you know and we'll see what comes of it you know what i mean you know and there are a bunch of covid projects you know yeah Mets and i've been talking about something you know yeah there was all sorts of things but you know the primary thing i've been doing now is the unannounced deviation project because it is it is it is really it, it i hope it's going to be great but it is uh you know certainly a big one well, we look forward to hearing when those things can be talked about, and hopefully, we can get you guesting on there to like promote well, it. I'll come back. I happily come back. I enjoy this. It's fun. Yeah, we appreciate you too, um, Joe. Any last words? I'm not dying yet, but um... <laughs> no, just getting married. That's a what different kind of. That's <laughs> a different kind of thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I think this has been great, actually um yeah no i mean yeah yeah and i can come back you know but you know before any big announcements you think of oh there are 20 other things i wanted to ask i mean it's like you know it's say it's a wednesday night it's not like i'm yeah. uh, oh we'll uh we'll count I'm on the occupied. almost famous in the 90s well i, 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 I don't know <laughs> yeah, well, yeah well almost famous in the 90s yeah that'll be uh that'll be another one that you know that'll, that'll be <laughs> for the sure next run. all right huh? all right okay well, great talking thanks. to you guys, and I'm great. happy to come back to more stuff. Yeah. Great talking to you, Flint. Uh, once again, the name yeah. of your book, please. Is The Games Master, and uh, it is available on Amazon. It was Amazon Select for two months. It may it may still be, which means you can get the, I guess that means you can get the Kindle version, like, really mm-hmm. cheap. Um, I, you know, I heard this is a big honor, and I said, wait, wait a second, they're selling really cheap. Well, no, no, that's, that's a big honor. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, me as a person who's like, uh, who likes the '90s, uh, sorry, the '80s, who likes 80s. the '80s, yes. And um, I mean, technically, I was born in the '80s, grew up as a '90s kid. Um, but and but I know that um, um, Keith, who is who was definitely an '80s kid, enjoyed a lot of that book. So you know, he's he's not alone. He is a big Transformers fan. Yeah, well, and, that helps, you know. He yeah. won't badmouth how Optimus that Optimus Prime di- died, but he yeah, can't change the fact that it changed it. everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, the amount of people I told about this interview, they wanted to, me to say uh, send the bill for the therapy, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, you, you a, a slight little cha- thing about when Optimus died, because you know I, I I've seen I've seen the movie. Yeah, I, know. And... I, I always have to ask. I mean. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, there were a lot of a lot of killers. I mean, only Julius Caesar had more killers than you know. <laughs> you, know he, uh, you know, that's that's what happened. You, you want to see the you know my fun kind of funny version of it? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've seen him, but we did some. Uh, a friend of mine, Joe Troutman, produced uh, some things that that uh, you know Ben uh, Montano at, at Hasbro. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's uh, you know courageous enough to uh, actually you know make and that is we did uh 
a some stop motion transformer videos oh no i love stop motion oh me too yes what it was you know they came out with the line last year that was the line from uh uh it it was the movie line you know like you know realistic versions of the movie uh character yeah i mean you know i mean you know accurate screen accurate versions of them and uh so yeah we made these stop motion videos of them and it, it was it was uh uh yeah they were well they were well received and they were a lot of fun you know i mean you know because i hadn't really written transformers well chris metzen and i did a transformers graphic novel series that trilogy, trilogy right called, uh, yeah uh with uh Olivier mm-hmm. Ramondelli, who's yeah yeah he is he's kind of the definitive transformers artist right now and uh um so that was a lot of fun so that was you know one trip back to transformers and then just last year, I mean, we, you know, we did the stop motion videos. Uh, we got, uh, you know, two of the characters they did were Grimlock and, and Blur. So we got John Mashita and, uh, uh, you know, who's, you know, the fastest talking guy in the world and Greg Berger, uh, who is Grim, Grimlock, you know, uh, we got them to reprise their roles. And oh, uh, that's awesome. And, and, oh yeah, you got to watch them. There's six of them. They're on YouTube um you know and uh I, you know i just searched you know transformers stop motion they're all kind of parodies and you'll see a special guest appearance from stan bush and uh, nice. uh vince decola threw in some music for it that's um, the other thing the, the, the music the music on that uh, movie uh, is just um definitely helped shape my childhood that's for sure well, that, all right. You, we were talking about the '80s. You don't get yes. more '80s than the soundtrack for that Transformers. For sure. Yeah, I um, mean, and, you know that. You know I, that brings it back almost. You know, probably Miami Vice without do it, but but mm-hmm. the, you want to know what the '80s sounded like? You know, listen to that soundtrack. So, as Joe said, I was born in the '90s, born in '92, but. My dad was an 80s kid because um, my dad had me when he was 18. And I remember when I was four, five, six years old, he would put on the VHS, the orig- the his copy of the Transformers movie, and we watched it together. And I was just like, it was like um, who a person who has never watched the Transformers TV series, having watched the movie, I'm like, oh, cool. I've heard of Optimus Prime. And then seeing him die within 10 minutes, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, and you I, know what? I've watched a few episodes of Transformers. This will be fine. It'll be okay. And I'm but like, no, it, it made me a big fan of Hot Rod and like a lot of the other characters that were on that show, like uh, on, in that movie. Um, I completely forgot about Blur until you mentioned him right now because that voice is just so iconic. Um, um, oh, yeah, but, so many of them were, you know. I mean, yeah, scamming I mean, Starscream's voice. Star and, Scream, yeah, you know. Well, yeah, Starscream. Mm-hmm. The funny Star thing is, is like I had this. Uh, so I I remember the movie and. Uh, in the book you mentioned about uh i forget his name but he was in charge of lighting and stuff and when you oh, that was funny. That mentioned was funny that um that tra- uh, that when optimus prime died all the color faded away i just found like a new way to appreciate it all of a sudden because i'm a big fan mm-hmm. of tragedy oh, yeah no that, that was the director <laughs> you know and and he was yeah. uh yeah i mean yeah if you if you watch that movie as nothing other nelson chen is his, was his name but uh, and he's still alive, so I'm not speaking him in past tense. But right. uh, if you watch that movie, just simply almost, uh, this is going to sound funny, but you watch it almost like an art film, it works. That, that's what um, I, that's how know, I remember I mean, it now. I think I have to rewatch it now. So yeah, that, uh, That's how I remember it now. And it's like, you know what, this is really good. 
<laughs> yeah, I well, mean, I, you know, I mean, you just you just look at it and like you don't think anything of it because you're seeing it and it's pretty subtle. But how do you show a, a a robot is dying? I mean, it's it's you know a machine, okay? You know, I mean, you know, but you know he pulled it off, and you know an entire generation remembers it. A couple of generations. Mm-hmm couple yeah yeah you know and you know and, and you know you, when once you see it and it actually exists you kind of take it for granted but the truth is that you know that's pretty uh you know that, that that's a pretty amazing accomplishment yeah well, once again thank you for your time uh, joe okay, any last, happy to yeah be here. Uh, joe any last words you want Stop us to do our sign asking off? me questions i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna keep oh, asking yeah, did i yeah. answer your optimus prime question by the way did I, you know i i sleaze out of that one did i <laughs> I think you're good. Yeah, you know, when you see the stop motion video with uh, with uh, one of the characters discovering he's been discontinued, you'll know the Optimus Prime story. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. talk to you guys later. All right, okay. you take care. Bye. That Flint. was uh, Flint Billing, author of The Games Master. Yeah, it's uh, Amazon Select. Uh, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Um, I'm jo- I'm Dexter, and I'm Joe, and this has and been this has been just, just off off point point. <laughs> <laughs>